Look at that planet. I wonder what's going on there. Yes. Yes, I'm right there. Hmm? Thank you for downloading the Trap One podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Pete. Thanks for joining me, Pete. It's great to be here. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, you use my authority to uh, that I can enlist the aid of any persons, civil or military, and you've been enlisted. Oh, uh, you've got that license to kill. Yes. I'm that you're actually allowed to do uh, Scottish uh, garments. I actually kill people, so don't try any of that killing. <laughs> Uh, so um, we're here today. We're going to talk about Uclan's remake of Mission to the Unknown, a 1965 episode of Doctor Who, originally broadcast between Galaxy Four and the Myth Makers, which is a prequel to the epic Daleks Master Plan. Uh, so I thought it was interesting uh, thinking about it that it's, it's it's the only time they did this in the classic series, but it kind of came back in in the new series, didn't it, with the uh, the confusingly named prequels. Um, that, that sort of crept well. I guess the Tardy Swords uh, that you got for Series Two, oh, and then yeah. things like Pond yeah. Life and the Doctor's Meditation and things like that. Yeah, and I, I kind of lost track of them. There's, I think there's probably still some of them I've, ne- I've never seen um, because I wasn't entirely sure where to get them or when they were going out. Um, but um, yeah, it, and it's uh, it, it, and the, the, the first Doctor Light story. Well, it's not even Doctor Light, is it? It's like yeah. zero zero percent Doctor. It's not just reduced Doctor. Yeah, so this, this came about because they reduced the number of episodes on Planet of the Giants um, earlier in Doctor Who's run, um, and it, it ended right. up creating this issue where they, they had a, an extra episode later on, um, and then they wanted to give the lead actors a longer break between seasons, um, and uh, Terry Nation was, was keen on hawking his uh, Dalek spin-off TV series, uh, so we're probably quite enthusiastic about this. Yeah, it takes a lot of people's boxes, didn't it? It's like Hartnell gets a week off. Yeah. Ver- Verity Lambert, this last she gets her last episode to be a bit of a uh, bit of a special one, and um, and yeah, and like I say, yeah, Terry Nation gets his uh, his backdoor pilot, so to speak, yeah. um, for the American Dalek series that they somehow foolishly never took up. Yeah, this. Um, so as I said, this is this is the uh, university. Of Central Lancaster um, have, have made this one. Um, so previously, only the audio existed. Obviously, the reason they remade it is because the original doesn't exist. Um, there's also the Ian Levine uh, commissioned animation. Uh, have you seen that one at all? No, I've not. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that. I've got the um, the audio book with Peter Purvis doing a narration, mm-hmm. um, and that's good. I listened to quite a lot of this, and I gave it a re-listen this week uh, just to, to, for comparison. But I've never seen the Ian Levine. Um, Animation is it, is it freely available, or did you have to have sinister contacts to get your hands on that? I know. I think it, I think it leaked onto the internet a few years ago, and um, can still be found on certain websites. The genie's out of the bottle. Yeah. Um, so I think if you look on sort of Daily Motion and places like that, you can um, you, you can track it yeah. down. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty successful. Um, so you've got the original audio, and and the animation um, matches up to it. Um, I suppose this is a different direction, really, from the other sort of attempts at recreating those missing stories where we've had a lot of the animations in recent years. Yeah. Um, yeah, isn't it? 
and that whole the whole ethos of it being let's let's see if we can actually remake a 60s tv episode in the style of a 60s tv episode whereas one of the things they've, had, they've said a lot lately is for, for, for the animations to say oh well, we've got to let the animators run free because they are creative types and, and, and they've got to be have a bit of a free hand to uh, that's the only way that they can be enthused to do something that isn't really going to make them a lot of money um and, and so yeah this is right at the opposite end of the spectrum isn't it yeah definitely um because I, I, I think when I first heard about it, I didn't appreciate that it was going to be in black and white um, and, and try to recreate those production values of the 1960s. I thought it would probably be a more modern uh, version of it, you know, because green screens more widely available and stuff like that now. Um, well, it wasn't invented in yeah. 1965, I guess. Um, <laughs> great, but yeah. great, great screen never worked out for them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but just the, the the care and the tension and the, the kind of loving amount of detail that's gone into recreating it, I think, is is fantastic. It really is, yeah. And I mean, um, the uh, it's funny seeing if, if there's the clips available like with Edward D'Souza saying um, how the spaceship in particular just looks exactly the same. I mean, how, how he can really remember that one week of work he had on this job yeah. <laughs> uh, all that years <laughs> kind of thing. This guy's got a really good memory of maybe he's being sort of a little bit um, actually and a little bit exaggerating, but maybe not. Maybe it really does bring it back because it, it must be a really unusual job. I mean, he was a, he was a busy actor, wasn't he? he was, and he was a, he was a leading man in, in, in various things. So he wasn't just a, uh, uh, an extra or anything like that. And he was uh, uh it's so, so it wasn't just uh, a filler episode, you know. They they hired some proper actors to do it to star alongside the uh, the monsters. Yeah, and I guess I guess science fiction was relatively rare, so it, it would you know acting with a rocket ship and the the Vargas and stuff might have stuck in his mind a little bit more than um, you know kind of uh, other stuff that he was doing. I don't know what. Other yeah, stuff he was and doing I just wonder stuff. what I wonder. I wonder what, um, yeah, no, he was in like a classic serials and things like that, I think. Right. Uh, a quick look at his because he was, he was in his mid thirties. He was, he was, I'm noticing that. So he was, he's, because he, he's um, about the same age as my dad. Um, and uh, he, um, you know, so, so he, it, this, this cast is obviously, it's, it's a student related thing. So they're all much younger. There's the bit where one of them says, you know, I, I, I traveled with him for 10 years. And it's like, what, since you were 10 or something? <laughs> um, <laughs> because they're all about twelve anyway, uh, as it is obligatory to say once you get once you get past the age of thirty of anyone who's under that age. Um, but um, the casting is 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 really good though, and I I, I love the way that they've gone with um, trying to for, for the humans anyway gone gone with recreating those those accents because if you take that away, you're going off into a um, I don't know a, 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 it just makes it feel because because the original episode can't have really felt like an episode of Doctor Who anyway. It's so unusual and so strange to have an episode of Doctor Who without the Doctor or the TARDIS or anything. And for it to be so... Um, it's really it's really humorless, isn't it? There isn't a single joke in the whole thing. And I guess that's partly William Hartnell's absence, because he always was good with comic material and they'd usually give him something. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if up to that point, this is kind of the most perhaps the most serious episode of Doctor Who there's ever been. We've got the massacre up ahead, mm. but it's, last week it was all chumblies, and next week it's carry on trying, yeah. um, although that ends up having a gr- grisly ending. But it's right in the middle of a, of a fairly light-hearted period of Doctor Who, and then you've just got this episode where they're like things like, as, as long as the two of us don't die, um, <laughs> the universe might be saved. And at the time, you wouldn't have expected them to actually both die. That must have just been such a shock to viewers. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think I think probably the other thing about the lack of humour is probably Terry Nation's writing, isn't it? He's not not known for uh, for injecting a lot of humour in. Uh, he tries to go for that more hard bit and edge a lot of the time, doesn't he? Yeah, it's the tension and the, uh, the mechanics of the plot as well. This is happening, therefore that's happening, which means we must do this. Yeah, and I think um, in Destiny of the Daleks, once um, Douglas Adams had, had uh, had a crack at it with the script editing, he, he railed against uh, a lot of the humour in it, I think, that uh, that was injected uh, into his original script. Um, but yeah, the voices, I thought, brilliant that they, that they recreated those. I just they, they probably have to be quite careful now um, because that's kind of Matt Berry's kind of shtick, isn't it? That if they go too far along that vein, that they they sound like Toast of London. Yes, yeah, and 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 the, this is one of those strains that the whole thing is um, nobody's particular, nobody's hamming it up. Certainly, nobody's doing it well. Well, we get we'll get to the delegates in a bit, won't we? <laughs> but nobody's. It's definitely it's not a piss take. It's not Acorn Antiques. Yeah. They're absolutely doing it for real um, and probably with the exact same level of seriousness balanced with a bit of human on, on, their, on their own parts but not on screen of, um, that, that there must have been at the time but um, uh, yeah it, it, the seriousness of it just really, really stood out to me and, that, and that's, that's, that's it as an episode um, not just the remake mm. I, mean, I guess it, as well at the time it went out there wasn't the pre-publicity and the uh, and the knowledge of the workings of the show that we've got now so the average viewer wouldn't have known that the doctor wasn't going to turn up and i think that really adds to the tension of it um if you were watching these in sequence as a viewer in the 1960s that you would think the doctor's going to show up any minute and save these two and team up with them yeah uh, of course yeah yeah because it just, um, the, the tension right from the start, because as soon as it, it opens with um, Garvey kind of waking up and, and intoning kill, kill. So you know he's heading towards where they are. So there's that sort of uh, suspense from that. Then once they've dealt with him, you know that the Daleks are on the planet and they're looking for them. Uh, and then when poor Gordon uh, gets the, the Vargathorn in his palm, uh, there's that suspense of how quickly he's going to turn and, and, and try and kill Corey as well. Um, I felt really yeah, sorry no. for that character because he's he's seen his best mate killed, and then he's got roped into this mission anyway against his will. And then when Mark Corey gives him like a really alpha male pat on the back that pushes his palm into the thorn, that's the thing. I mean, it would be very easy to do a bloody hilarious spoof of this, probably wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just turn it up a little bit more, um, and, and and a lot of the dialogue does. I mean, at that point, um, there's something like there's, there's a line like "Don't prick yourself." Yeah. Um, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Uh, I, I looked up by the way because I was thinking this is kind of this is very camp but at the same time they're not camping it up it, I can't quite so and, and I, I, I did some research and Susan Sontag no less says that camp is done in quotes it's deliberately overplayed and over the top whereas kitsch can be taken either way which I think is a kitsch segment in itself um, but that so, and, and this is like that you you could absolutely, particularly, be a be a ten year old and just watch this totally seriously and not think anything's funny about it. Mm-hmm. But then um, watching it as an adult, you can obviously have a bit of a laugh at the um, uh, the ridiculousness of of the whole thing and the delegates and everything, um, and, and you can enjoy it at both levels at the same time. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. They they show remarkable restraint in this. I think, um, especially as I said, there's a couple of lines where they do sound a little bit Matt Berry. Um, I think the way that um, the guy playing Corey says Scarrow, he sort of ends the sentence with Scarrow, and he, he sort of sounds a bit like Paul oh, yeah. when he goes. Uh, he says yeah. like, Scar. I can't do the voice, but like Scarrow, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yeah and, and it's almost like he's speaking through clenched teeth, even when his yeah. teeth aren't clenched. <laughs> and it's directed in that sort of 60s way of somebody standing in the foreground, somebody in the background, and the person in the foreground is speaking towards the camera instead of towards the person they're actually addressing, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's theatre, isn't it? It's pure, oh. it, it gets stand at the front of the stage and speaking to the audience. Um, and the, the 60s stuff as well, which I... Yeah, I guess they could have updated with, with the the old fashioned tape recorder um, and everything's rocket ships, isn't it? There's um, there's no sort of shuttles or anything else. It's it's pure space race uh, kind of era. Yeah, yeah. Everything's a rocket. Um, it's funny the way things come and go around, though. The way that um, if I'd been watching it a few years ago, I would have said, "Oh, isn't it ridiculous that they've got their rocket and somehow it's landed vertically?" Um, which is just completely inconceivable because that's not how rockets would ever land. It would need a runway. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, Mr. Musk and his trillions of dollars have come along. Uh, probably, maybe just with the entire intention of, of spending a trillion dollars to create something to make the rocket land, landing the right way up in mission to the unknown, seem more reliable, <laughs> more, more, more believable. Um, and uh, and on the verge of doing it it's really scary when you watch that footage of those uh, SpaceX rockets coming down and landing Mm. uh, the right way up because I've just spent my entire life criticising films for doing that because it's impossible and now it's not yeah it is yeah you wonder if there's something so deeply ingrained because even stuff like um, Button Moon that was how the rocket landed on the uh, on the moon wasn't it it was uh, Mm. Very kind of ingrained in that yeah. sort of era of, um, of sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this um, very kind of sixties authentic effect for the transformation into a Varga as well, don't they? It's um, it, it's like a very quick fade from yeah. from human into Varga plant, um, which is very like old yeah. school Doctor Who. You know, anyone who's ever in, uh, been cured of an infection or a disease. Um, the um, their skin returns to normal just with um, with a fade uh, until it's kind of completely flawless again. Yeah, and, and um, those Varga plants really really are great. I, I, I love how they look on this. The, the um, just the, the pulsing, and you know, mm. it, obviously it's it, it's possibly just a person in a suit, but it doesn't because it's not got limbs. It, it somehow gives it a little bit more. I don't know. It's, it's a bit eerie, a bit creepy. Um, and uh, that's just a really nice design. Yeah, in many ways more effective than you know like the gel guards and and a lot of other kind of similar designed monsters from the sixties and the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's a, um, a triffid um, uh, lineage there, isn't there? Um, that book came out about ten years earlier, and, and the film um, with um, oh, with, with uh, a small part from Caroline Ford in it mm-hmm. was was just before Doctor Who started, wasn't it? It was her last job before Doctor Who. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, Terranation can't claim the uh, the copyright for inventing moving lethal plants, but um, but he does them well. Yeah, there's there's a brief scene where um, uh, the Agave he's uh, he's Varga in his top half with human legs on the bottom. Um, and I think that's quite mm. effective. I remember it being quite memorable in the Ian Levine animation as well, 
something quite cool looking about it. But I think even just the fade, it does kind of give you the impression that it's the the Varga is erupting out of him or suddenly kind of overtaking him. Although it's it is quite a simple effect. Um, it it does yeah, something quite effective I, about it. I can do it, can't it? Yeah, it's no, there's no um, whistles and bells. I mean, you could just, if they did it now, it would be obligatory, wouldn't it? Yeah, to have a big CGI thing going off. And actually, what is that really adding to it? Yeah. It's the concept. It's just, you think that it's real. And if, and if you're watching it and thinking that that's quite good rendering on that CGI, um, then you're not actually feeling the emotion of, of, of worrying about the person. Yeah, absolutely. And it's become a sort of the cliche of, um, of having somebody infected as happens to to lowry and then keeping it from from other people but this i was trying to think i think this is the earliest example in doctor who isn't it, it happens a lot in later fact, stories yeah that, yeah and, and tom was we get around to uh, philip hinchcliffe it's uh, pretty much every week yeah. but there's no um yeah you're right and, and i mean and that is that is horror, isn't it? And I guess maybe that's part of the thing that, that um, Hartnell wasn't happy about, is that when that became a regular thing in, in who, under, um, what's his name, Miles as producer, um, mm. that that kind of thing being the new norm, where, where she wasn't um, on board with for the kiddies. But the kiddies loved it, of course. Yeah, definitely. I, um, a bit the first time I watched it, I didn't realise that the the kind of the wide shot of the Dalek control room uh, was made, was models. Uh, it wasn't all ah, right. no, the I making of the documentary part of it. Um, but again, really effective and, and authentic to how they did things in those days. Um, you know, the control room with the Emperor Dalek in it, there's some model stuff and uh, obviously Planet of the Daleks. Uh, but yeah, it works really, really well here. And they've only got the full-size Daleks, I think, the, the bits in the jungle. Uh, and when one of them's giving dialogue in the control room, yeah, right. Because, yeah, I, I thought that very first shot of the Dalek that you see, I, I did think for a second, no, is, it, is this animated? It, uh, and it took a second for my brain to get used to the idea that I was actually watching a Dalek, a, a new new footage of a Dalek prop in black and white, because that was that's just not what I'm used to ever seeing. We're used, we're used to them being animated now, if they're black and white and new. Yeah, the other thing it says on the, on the documentary is this was actually filmed in colour and then converted to black and white. So I guess if this gets... Um, uh, season three blu-ray release eventually you might have the option like you do with those animations uh or the, the most recent animations of watching it in color or black and white yeah that'd be interesting it's because because and, and you know I, I come and go on that i, I sometimes I think i like when i watch black and white dog too i like the fact that it's black and white and mm. i'm never watching it wishing it was in color but at the same time people can do really clever and stuff that looks good so yeah why, why not I, yeah I, and i guess this I was thinking the, the music on this, the stock music that they, that they use on this, really reminds me of a couple of points of um, the music from Thunderbirds. Uh, and so I, I checked the dates, uh, not the theme tune, but the, some of the incidental music from it. And, and this episode went out nine days after the first episode of Thunderbirds, uh, which, of course, was very much in Technicolor or Super Marionation colour. And that then got me thinking, if they're going to do the whole Dalek Master Plan, it would be kind of fun to do it in Super Marionation. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I don't... I think it benefits having this choice of this episode benefits uh, from the fact that none of the regulars are in it because ultimately they're having to recast characters that we've never seen. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's it's a much less of a, a challenge and much less of a conflict going on in your head than if it was a than if it was new um, a completely new cast. Definitely. I don't know what would you think. You know, if they what do you think might happen next? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it it does feel like we've had the animations, and and I love the animations, but this feels like it's opening up another potential area to recreate those episodes. And I think they they show that they can do it with, you know, minimum uh, minimal sets and props, and and in this case, you know, kind of actors and stuff. Um, but I guess it ties into what um, me and Keith and Jason were talking about in the the last podcast about how comfortable you are with with recasting doctors and and what makes them more yeah. authentic and, and less authentic. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, if they if they get David Bradley in, but then I don't know who would who would replace Peter Purvis and uh, or anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, if there's only one Peter Purvis. Yeah. Mm. Um, but you say that, then we say that of all of them, and, and ultimately it, it will happen one day mm-hmm. in 50 years' time. There will be somebody else being the fourth doctor in something or other. You can almost bet your life on it, or even being the tenth doctor. Yeah. Um, uh, and but, but then it's just so hard to imagine what entertainment and drama is actually going to be like that far in the future. True. I, like but I bet we're gonna. I bet we're gonna have more aliens with northern accents. That's the one thing. <laughs> 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 because that that did come that did come come as a surprise. Uh, Malfa uh, being going to Jupiter yeah. was uh, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. And it's funny because I was sat there thinking, oh, it's very good that they've gone for the original authentic accents for them all. Yeah, so see that creative choice, and then he comes on, and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm also really glad they've done that. <laughs> It came as more of a shock, didn't it? I think because the, uh, the the actors playing humans went for the authentic '60s BBC, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, he, he came out with the real northern accent, um, and and the way he just won't put his gun down as well, I thought was um, <laughs> was quite amusing. He gets more and more animated, and he's waving it around and gesticulating to make his point. Um, and I kind of expected the other delegates to start kind of ducking and flinching as he waved his gun around <laughs> and stuff like that. Must come. My favourite bit. My favorite bit of Dalek dialogue in the whole thing is the most bizarre. I just think it's the weirdest thing for a Dalek to say. There's a point in which the Dalek just it says that enough people are there, basically saying their meeting is quiet, and then he says, "So now the meeting can begin." <laughs> <laughs> it's just very much really mundane. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit where, especially at the end, when all the the delegates are getting really excited about the plan, um, and there's the Dalek Supreme is joining in. There's another Dalek just sort of. Um, slowly trundles away from the table as if he's getting a bit embarrassed by the, um, the outpouring of, uh, of enthusiasm. Whoever doing it. Yeah. The, and the Daleks are, all look great. They're, they're, they've obviously not been able to just create a load of Daleks from scratch. I mean, if the BBC couldn't, wouldn't do that for every story in the 60s. Mm-hmm. They already had them in stock. And so they've, they've got some, I guess they've, they've assembled their, their Dalek army, haven't they, for, uh, the, the producers from various uh, amazing recreations that are out there. So they don't all quite match up but I mean just splitting hairs there just for the sake of it I know I am because actually they still look great but I know some people get very agitated about whether or not Daleks have irises in their eyes Yeah, uh, I think there's, there's, a, there's a mixture of that here um, but um, uh, uh, yeah I don't have a strong opinion on whether a Dalek should or should not have an iris no, I'm I, I'm not either. I'm, I think um, with something like this, you'd be glad that it exists. Really, that that enough people have um, uh, have given their time and um, and put it in, uh, have put it together. Um, and the other thing, of course, is that this whole meeting is being broadcast uh, via a tannoy system across the Dalek city, isn't it? Which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. In case any Daleks have gotten it on, 
it's like the BBC BBC Parliament of the Daleks, yeah. basically. <laughs> and, uh, I have to yeah, think: what do all the Daleks actually do? Yeah, are they, is there cleaning to be done? Is there admin? What you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> they're, they're, they're battle machines, and yet they ever must spend ninety nine percent of their existence not actually in battle. Um, they get a sense of fulfilment from something or other, probably watching daytime TV and making complaints to the broadcaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's sort of Dalek Jeremy Kyle and stuff like that going on. Yeah, that would be it. The Daleks would love a bit of clickbait, wouldn't they? <laughs> you can't say anything these days. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and of course, this, this is the 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 well, the only time in the classic series that the Daleks actually win, which again, I guess, at the time would have been a bit of, sh- of a shock for the viewers. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point because uh, it's not been long since the chase, has it? That wasn't like that was like because that was that, that was at the end of the previous series or towards the end of the previous series, mm. uh, and in that they're a bit. I mean, they have like a comedy Dalek, and they have. Um, a few, you know, they're sort of experimenting and the Dalek's getting killed by a Frankenstein robot and everything. Um, and that's right, Frankenstein's monster robot. Mm. And the, uh, and then suddenly here, they're just, they are actually ruthless and insane and, and murderous, uh, successfully murderous. Yeah. But, uh, and just having an episode of Doctor Who that ends with, and then the Daleks killed everyone, the end is, uh, it must have just been so shocking for for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. There's, it's just that last, um, well, the last shot after Corey's killed is the tape recorder, which mm-hmm. I guess is the to be continued uh, type thing. Yeah. And then it, and then it isn't. And again, did you know what did you think if you came back the next week and uh, and it's there's just no mention of it and they're all off um, do, doing Troy? Um, it must have been very strange. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, I guess you'd know something was coming back, but it, it's so unlike anything else that they did. Mm-hmm. That, uh, but again, it's it's great to reward the, you know, the regular viewers like that, isn't it? It's um, if someone's watching every week to think, well, watch this, put a pin in it. Five weeks later, it's going to continue, and then yeah. you remember the elements of uh, you know the planet Campbell and uh, the uh, the tape recording and and whatnot. Yeah, I, I used to imagine having to discuss it at school and trying to so could remember what from, or if you, somebody had missed that episode, and someone else having to fill them in um, on, on what they'd missed. Yeah. So, I, well, I was just well, I don't know what your opinion is about whether the Daleks are on the verge of conquering the solar system or the galaxy or the universe at this point, <laughs> because it sounds like it sounds like all three of them are in peril. <laughs> they use fairly uh, but, interchangeably, um, aren't they? Um, it, it suggests that the yeah. coronation didn't really know what the definitions were of. <laughs> Of any kind. Yeah, of, yeah. He may have. He, he lies about having DAL to EK on his encyclopedia. He also never opened his encyclopedia to check what a galaxy was. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe actually, maybe he did know, and he just wanted to mix the words up a bit because it sounded more exciting and spacey. Yeah, and is that thing that's in the Dalek Master Plan as well? That I um, we did a podcast about the Daleks Master Plan earlier this year with Jason, which I'll uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to. Talked about how yes. they just really call cool. it the solar system. Even people who don't come from our solar system refer to our solar system as the solar system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, which is an, an odd um, kind of trend, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like the solar system. Oh, as opposed to uh, the solar is the name of our system rather than, yeah. Yeah, rather than a description of, yeah, any system that uh, that has a star in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's elements of this which Terry Nation uh, would have used in his Dalek spin-off series by all accounts, and particularly the Space Security Service. Um, and a lot of his ideas yeah. for the TV series then showed up in the Dalek annuals. Uh, did you get any of these? I think they ran for four years. No, no, I've not. I've, I've known of them. Yeah, I've, but I've never, I never, um, I never hunted down a copy for myself. Yeah, I've got them, and then they, they've started releasing these on um, audio books. So the first one came out last year, and I think there's another one out this ah. year uh, where they've got cool. various people reading them, uh, like Nicholas Briggs and um, uh, maybe Louise Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny if it, that was actually the whole list. But I'm sure it's not. <laughs> Um, I think I think it might be Peter Purvis as well. I'm not sure because they do the the, oh, yeah, the annual ones as well, and they have sort of slightly different people yeah. on them. Um, I think yeah. um, I think Matthew Waterhouse actually um, uh, does some of them as well. Yeah, right, cool. Um, um, yeah, yeah and, and and it's funny having that's the other we talked about the voices. One thing we haven't talked about is the Dalek voices. Um, it's funny having Nick Briggs doing modern Dalek voices in, in that setting. It does work, but um, again, they, they kind of feel a little bit. They just got that that much more sort of beefier, but but then I that's, I think that's just his personal. I think he's using the original ring modulator, isn't he? So it is just that's just his his character of them. Yeah, because he's quite when you see him on behind the scene uh, behind the scenes documentaries and things like that on the DVDs, he's, he's quite a connoisseur, isn't he, of the uh, the different eras of Daleks. Um, yeah, I think yeah. He's, he's he's going for the sixties sound, but. Did you, did you watch um, the, the remastered version of um, Day of the Daleks, where they got him to redo the Dalek voices for that? Um, yeah, I must have done. Yeah, is that on the, the DVD? Yeah. yeah, but on the basis that they really did cock up the Dalek voices when they made that originally by accident, as a yeah. they, they couldn't figure out how to do them because it had been so long, so they just gave it their best shot. Uh, and I don't think anyone thinks that that's how they really wanted it to be so they've done that they've had him redo them on that too the DVD I think he's going to slowly work I think he's going to slowly work his way through the entire history of Doctor Who and just replace every other actor with his own voice because <laughs> he's got his own empire is never going to be enough for him now <laughs> yeah redo the Cyberman and the uh... <laughs> yeah. like, like the master in uh, Last of the Time Lords yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, did you watch the the making of this uh, as well? The uh, it's only about a ten minute. Um, I, I saw a bit of it, but I, don't, I haven't seen it all. I, I got called away uh, so, uh, for my tea, uh, which is a kind of classic <laughs> Doctor Who uh, moment. Uh, so I, will, I definitely will be going back to watch, watch the rest of it. Um, with the uh, speaking of unique voices, uh, uh, Josh stares off of Twitter and off of who, who first appeared with the most amazing uh, drag version of the Sarah Jane of um, Canine and Company title sequence uh, and has now made quite a thing for himself as a YouTuber um, and then has an unmistakable personal uh, style. I was, it was great that in the bits I saw, you know, also seeing, seeing the actors all being interviewed and talking in their real voices was, was quite fun as well because it did, it, you did understand that they really had put effort into doing that kind of acting, which I'm sure it's every acting class they've ever had has been trying to teach them to never, ever do that because yeah. it's just such an unpushable <laughs> way of doing acting now. But, it was, but it's actually a real skill, and they are so young mm-hmm. um, and, and, uh, and so committed to, to something that must just seem utterly insane to them. It's, it's really nice. 
they've got that commitment to doing it as well as possible. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic because that was the thing that I was probably the most, not concerned about, but probably thought the acting would be quite kind of amateurish and, and you know, kind of, uh, you know, like a, a school production type thing. But but they are absolutely fantastic, like you say. Um, yeah, I've put all that pressure on them as the ones, you know, who, who are the end product is them so it doesn't matter if the, if the cameraman's a little bit less experienced than, than the camera than the original cameraman that's not something that we're really going to pick up on as long as they're not making mistakes but with acting you just might not quite make the grade and they, and they definitely do uh yeah they, they carry it really well yeah and, and especially when they uh, they wheeled in the original actors to come and watch them as well just to uh, just put a bit more pressure yeah. on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, what it, it reminded me of um, at university, I um, I did um, like a, a, a minor in media studies, and one of the modules I did was uh, TV production, um, which was absolutely brilliant. They did a kind of a full working TV studio with the gallery and everything like that. Um, it was actually ran by Neil Perryman of the Wife in Space fame. Oh, yeah. um, but I mean, I had no idea he was a Doctor Who fan, and because it was the nineties, yeah. and, and we didn't really talk about it, did we, um, as much? <laughs> no, um, no. But it really made me wish that we'd done something like this. Um, what we actually did was a day-to-day rip-off type thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was it, it kind of brought back was what what kind of uh, great fun it was, and what a buzz, you know, kind of um, working like that in a, in a studio and to deadlines, and everyone was putting loads more time and effort in than was you know, kind of allocated, you know, like we'd go in on a Saturday when it was free and, and, and do stuff for it. So, uh, yeah, it brought a lot of that back, which uh, which I really enjoyed as well. Yeah, cool. Well, there you go. Get on. You've got, they've got 12 episodes to do. They'll need someone to help out. You yeah. touch. <laughs> <laughs> Is that TV studio still there in a basement somewhere? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. It might, might need a bit updated by now. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's uh, shocking a long time since I graduated. It feels like five minutes, but it's like 20 years. So. I know, I, yeah, I had, a, I had a university reunion a few years ago, and I realized the other day that actually that is now the halfway point between me graduating and now. And it, whereas it felt like a big get-together at the time, a big, like, I caught up with everyone, and it's like, oh God, I wonder how they've been in a couple of years since then, and actually it's been a lot more than a couple of years since then. Yeah, and it, I guess it must feel like that for... Peter Purvis and Edward D'Souza as well when they're, they're sitting there watching this thinking God was that 50 years ago yeah. <laughs> that's just unbelievable that they've got that that far away in their past and it's still something that they're um, that they're happy to, to get involved in now yeah yeah definitely one day we'll get um, we'll get Dodo on the circuit one day she's going to do her first convention yeah <laughs> everyone will be there for Jack, Jackie Lane day <laughs> Um, but they were talking about that at, at the walk convention that we were at last month, weren't they? Um, yeah, Chris, Chris Chapman I was. That. Uh, it was the um, they were talking about the kind of the, the Blu-rays, and Chris Chapman was uh, talking about the possibility. I can't quite remember what he said. Um, was it something like the only person that's ever got her involved in anything was uh, who was it? Was it Russell T Davis? No, it was. I, I remember now. Yeah, he said that the, the the reason they got that little clip of her for the um, for the after party of the fiftieth. The after party, that was it. <laughs> we, yeah. And it, it was it was 
I want to do a recreation of that one day, by the way. I think a lot of you <laughs> should get together and recreate. And, you know, you, you can, uh, you've got to have what direction, you've got to have every single guest. You've got to have, uh, and, uh, and that would just be amazing. Um, but yeah, there was one, yeah, you're right. They said there was one person who twisted her arm and, and she agreed to do that. And, uh, and I, but we can't remember who she was. Who it was. No, I, I don't think it was. Sense. I don't think she was him, does she? But yeah. That, that can't be her last but, contribution to Doctor Who though, can it? Like she's, but then dodo never did really have the best of innings yeah Yeah. no she 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 could be revealed who knows maybe she'll turn up as the big bad at the end of season 12 (laughs) yeah (laughs) fingers crossed it would be um it would be out of left field but uh (laughs) you never know cool i think that's that's all my notes actually it's uh I mean, and for one 24-minute long program, there's a lot to talk about, isn't there? There's just so much to digest. It's such an interesting thing for them to have done. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it'd be great if the, uh, the the guy that ran this just makes them do another episode every year as their as their coursework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and f- fail them all, so they'll have to stay back a year <laughs> and get to the Feast of Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is, uh, every episode you get, the uh, the cast are a year older every time. That's the, uh, that's the yeah. downside of it, I suppose. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the time destructor though isn't it that's the uh oh, of course yeah, yeah it's leaking a bit that's, yeah that should get out there well, be a pay- they might get the wrong end of the stick and just keep remaking mission to the unknown every year with a different cast that'll be the other way of doing it <laughs> it could be it could be the new like, yeah yeah <laughs> spot the difference each time well, there's, there's definitely scope for doing a musical version. It could be the what Rocky Horror Show. Uh, some some of the lines in that are, are just perfectly made for for songs. Uh, when I've got, just one quote I've got written down that I haven't got around to yet it was, uh, "I just asked for a couple of men and a small rocket." Which, <laughs> I think, is either the first line of a hell of a big production number, or uh, or, or, or possibly a sultry blues, a torch song. I'm not sure. <laughs> The, the other great line, um, I guess somebody was pointing this out on Twitter as well. I can't remember. Was it? Yeah, you've killed Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a strangely undramatic name, isn't it? Not Jeff. It's it's Gordon and Jeff. Uh, yeah, they're, they're such kind of old-fashioned names for these spacefaring yeah. heroes. Uh, yeah. Gordon and Jeff both being in the Tracy family as well. Um, another uh, timely thing coming out coming out the same week, more or less. Uh, yeah, of course. But, yeah. They were the cool names to have in 1965, weren't they? Yeah, names really do date, don't they? <laughs> Apart from yeah. Mark, Mark Corey. Still a name oh, as cool yeah. and relevant then as it is now. Timeless, timeless. Yeah. Cool, well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, it's been really fun to talk it over, and uh, I'm just, it's really cool that we've got it out there now. This whole new because because of course for a while it, it seemed like we we, we, uh, we might never get to see it and it's so good that they've uh, they found a way to make it free for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was um, it was announced that it had been done. Uh, it was like March or something, was it? It seems like it was, um, yeah. it was a long time ago, relatively. Yeah. Uh, so um, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'll um, when they do the season three Blu-ray, we'll we'll get it on there as well. And all the rest, yep. Yeah. Along with the um, Super Mario Nation or, or Muppet version <laughs> of uh, the Daleks Master Plan or whatever they decided to do for the trick. <laughs> I won the Muppet Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve on um, <laughs> Yeah, or maybe like Claymation or something. Maybe just, just keep trying different different genres. 
Seriously, yes, actually, because um, and, and people have talked about um, yeah do, doing stop motion versions of of, of, uh, of of some of them. I think the guy who did oh, I'm terrible at names. The guy there's a guy who's done a lot of the uh, animations and did, uh, was very involved in the Macro Terra one. Uh, tweeted a while ago a picture of a, of a model Cyberman that just was just sat on a shelf and, and some people asked him what it was and he was like oh yeah we were experimenting with maybe doing he personally was just experimenting with uh, doing a stop motion wheel in space clip but mm. um, but the, the model would just he didn't spend enough money on the model or something so it's, and to get to get a model that was really that good would have just been really expensive basically uh, so uh, the, actually making those models is, uh, is, is much more expensive than just animating them uh, with uh, you know traditional style but um no yeah i would love it if they could find a way to do some other creative things like that definitely yeah maybe a ballet galaxy four <laughs> all male or all female yeah. <laughs> uh, again possibilities it's a big universe the possibilities are endless <laughs> I, I would i'd want to be the real in that case though <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how would they do Sorry, that? Sorry, we're wrapping up and then I went waffling on about stuff. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. Uh, so where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, hi, I am on Twitter as uh, where my name is very Pete Lambert and uh, my handle is prof underscore quite a mess. You can follow me as at Quark McMalice. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, on Twitter as at trap one underscore and also on Instagram as at DW trap underscore one. Rolls off the Got to see that. <laughs> it's basically everything that I put on Twitter, uh, <laughs> but on Instagram. But no, you're not acting it out yet. I oh, know you've got to get on TikTok. That's the next thing you've got to be doing an amusing dance while uh, while talking about whatever you're talking about. I don't, I don't even know what TikTok is. <laughs> it's the new Vine. That's what TikTok is. And Vine is. <laughs> it's um uh I, I work with young people so i hear about these things uh it, it it's it's for sharing little video clips often set to music but often looping almost like a gif but but actually of it's a film clip uh and and be, you'll be doing comedy antics of some kind usually i'll look into it <laughs> cool i can uh, tell i've sold it to you <laughs> uh thank you very much for listening um Please consider subscribing yes. to the podcast and, and leaving a review. Uh, join us next week when Conrad Westmas will be my guest and we'll be discussing the abominable snowmen. And thanks That's again, good. Pete. Thank you. Cheers. Goodbye. Bye-bye.